Well, good morning. Uh, it's a delight to be with you this morning. I was laughing uh, as Ryan gave me a mic and asked if I wanted to use it because I thought uh, we can hear Jeremiah from our church on Sunday mornings. I'm sure he doesn't actually need this mic, but I'll use it. Uh, we're going to be in Psalm 1 this morning together, if you'll turn there with me. It's a delight to be here with you and, and have my family. I'm glad that Jeremiah is having a little respite during a challenging season. Uh, and as you turn to Psalm 1, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak through it. And we pray that it would be to us this morning what you promise it will be, useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that we might be complete, equipped, matured to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 1. Let's give attention to God's word. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Thanks be to God for his holy and errant and therefore authoritative word. Well, I grew up like Jeremiah in Tennessee. I did not grow up in Lincoln County. I was a little more rural. I grew up in Nashville, uh, the country music capital of the world. And uh, like every good Nashvilleian, I was country to the core. I loved country music. I remember uh, sitting by my dad's side in our truck, and, and I would listen to him mispronounce words and forget lines. And now I do that with my own children. I love country music. But I grew up in the suburbs, in a cul-de-sac, in a nice neighborhood. Uh, I was the furthest thing from actually country. So, of course, when I, when I turned 16, I bought a big truck with big tires. I loved to get out in the mud. I loved boots and jeans and, and singing country, even though that really wasn't who I was. But music has a way of rubbing off on us. It had rubbed off on me. I'd imbibed the tunes and the lyrics and, and the ideals of country music. And so I became country, so to speak. Well, as we pick up the Psalter this morning and we think about music, think about psalms of music, would it rub off on us as we, as we turn into 2021 and, and have realized that our resolutions have already failed? Uh, would we make a new one this morning? And what I want us to think about this morning is that we would resolve to delight in and to meditate upon and to follow God's word. That we would resolve to delight in, meditate upon, and follow God's word. Three, three things to think about this morning. First, in verses 1 through 2, that there are two roads in this psalm. There are two roads. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, road number one, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Psalm 1 is the first psalm of the Psalter, 150 songs. And uh, that's obvious, but I wonder if you've ever asked yourself, why is Psalm 1 first? Why not uh, Psalm 23 
why not start with the Lord is my shepherd. And as we navigate the different landscapes of life, even the different landscapes of the Psalms, it's good to know that he's our shepherd. Or Psalm 117, praise the Lord. Why not navigate the Psalter, a Psalm, a Psalter of praise with, with the, the opening being, let's praise the Lord. Or why not a more pragmatic approach, Psalm 73, that sometimes life doesn't look exactly like we think it should look or exactly like we thought God would say it would look when we have our perspective not where it needs to be and the Psalter is going to shape that as we go along. Why Psalm 1? Well, Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 really are foundational. They set the groundwork for all the other Psalms. And, and what Psalm 1 is saying is there's no neutrality in life. There's no neutrality in life. What, what we listen to will actually influence our lives. So what will we listen to? What will we imbibe? And the psalmist begins with the positive. Blessed is the man. The idea here is happy or whole or satisfied or filled is the man here. Jesus uh, picks up on this idea in the Sermon on the Mount and in his Beatitudes. Begins with blessed or happy or filled or whole or satisfied are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven or or satisfied and happy and filled and whole are those who mourn for they shall be comforted and so on. It's this idea of being whole. And here the psalmist picks up our ears with the positive but then he immediately turns to the negative. He actually says blessed is the man or happy or filled or whole is the man who walks not. Sometimes we need the contrast. Uh, it, it's, it's like uh, when you think about your spouse now and in contrast to your former boyfriends or girlfriends, you're all the more grateful. Or when we think about 2020 in light of 2019, we're all the more grateful for 2019 and hopeful for 2021. We need sometimes the contrast of the positive with the negative so that the positive is accentuated. And here the psalmist does that. He, he opens us with the negative to show us how wonderful the positive is. And he says, there are two roads. Literally, the, the, the Hebrew here for way is the word road. And the first road is the one where uh, the wicked are walking in the counsel, or, the, or, or the, the, the man is walking in the counsel of the wicked. There's a progression taking place here in these clauses. That sometimes we're people who, who walk with the world and we just listen to it a little bit. And as we're walking, we haven't committed, we're just taking it in. What does the world think about this subject? What does the world think about that subject? But there's a, there's a point here where this man stands. He stops. And, and he looks in the eyes of his counterpart and he says, you know, actually, that's, that's sort of an interesting way to view the world. Maybe I agree with that. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm on board with, with that ideal. And before you know it, at the end of the progression here, this man is actually sitting in the seat of scoffers. He, he's found a place of belonging with the world. Found, she's found a place of belonging with the worldviews of the world. Not only found a place of belonging, but actually now has turned to Israel or to the church or to believers and said, I can't believe you would believe that way. I can't believe you would believe a Bible that says that if you don't believe in Jesus, you can't be saved. I can't believe you'd be so exclusive in a postmodern world. And now he's actually scoffing at the church. So there's this progression taking place here that we listen to, we imbibe, we behave like the world, 
until actually over time we've become just like the world. There's no separation between who the church is and who the world is. And I think sometimes we, we think about this uh, with our children. It's easy to see how they imitate us. Or I've worked with college and young pros for nearly two decades now and, and seeing how they dress and what they listen to and what they watch and how they speak. But even more, how they think, what they believe is so often influenced by their peers, but maybe more so by their professors, by their employers. And, and it's easy to sort of look at those grids for others, but what happens with us? What if Fox News and Parler and, or CNN, whichever platform you prefer, didn't actually have the corner on truth? It's almost, it's almost laughable. We, we, we know none of those networks are really selling us the complete truth, right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a filtered truth to some extent. But how much do we listen to and read and watch and imbibe our favorite outlet? And the question is, do we intake the Scripture like that? Do we bring in the scripture into our lives? Do we delight in it enough that we take it in as much as we take in the world? And it's not that the psalmist is saying, hey, you listen to the opinions of the world a bit much. No, the psalmist is saying, because you listen to the opinions of the world, you've actually become like the world that you've listened to over and over and over again. We all want a place of belonging. And this, this person in verse 1 has a place of belonging. The world has accepted this person so much so that he or she is able to sit with the world and turn and make fun of others not like him or not like her. What would motivate us here in this Psalter, what, Psalm? What would motivate us to get off of a road where we would belong and be accepted and onto a road where we might be rejected by the world or we might be shunned or we might be ridiculed or we might go through trial. And the psalmist says it's delight. Verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. It's pleasure. We do what we delight. We think about what we delight. We listen to what we delight. We obey and follow what we delight. And the psalmist is saying happiness and wholeness are found in taking great delight in God's law, not in being accepted by the world. His law is, um, could be interpreted here as the first five books of the Old Testament. could also be interpreted more generally as the general instruction of God or the word of God. And the psalmist is saying, listen to what's to come. Think about this and let this music imbibe your life. But even more, he's actually saying, Meditate on what's to come. And meditation has this idea of muttering and mumbling. I remember uh, when, I, we, uh, when First Press bought the SC&G building and we built offices and we built a coffee shop there. Uh, the, the design was that I, as the college director, would be on the first floor near the coffee shop so that I could see students who came in and welcome them. And I had this great office with this beautiful old desk and I had windows in my office and then there's windows in the coffee shop outside so that I could see everyone. But at the time, I was finishing seminary. And uh, my friends, my colleagues would joke that I was in the fishbowl because anyone that came by could see anything that I did, even if I tried to hide and take a nap. 
They could see it all. And so I was studying Hebrew at the time. And if you know anything about studying Hebrew, it's hard to study with distractions. So I didn't have an office at home, and I have a lot of kids back there. Uh, it was distraction. Uh, I was distracted at the office, so I went to a coffee shop, which, which is very distracting as well. But I found a booth facing the wall so that no one could really see my face and I could sort of hide what you want a minister to do. So I'm hiding in this coffee shop, and I'm studying Hebrew. But as I sit down, the realization hits me that, oh, yeah, you can't really study Hebrew in silence. There's something about speaking it out loud so that you can learn it. And so now I'm muttering and I'm mumbling this language that no one in that whole place knows from the guy who's facing the wall by himself. And I kept wondering when they would kick me out, when they would call the police. But, but that's something of what's happening here in the psalm. That's what the psalmist is saying when he says that we meditate upon God's law. We're muttering it. We're mumbling it. We're, 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 we're just saying it over and over in some way that we can get it into our souls. And, and, and the man of God who loves God's word does this. The, the woman of God who loves God's word does this. We, we mutter it into our hearts and into our heads so that we can think about it and apply it into our lives. So there's two roads here and no neutral belonging to the world or happiness in the Lord. But there are also two roots here. Look at me with me at verses 3 and 4. And there's an and here in verse 3 in the Hebrew. The point is that, that, that the author is attaching this idea to this next analogy. So that the man or the woman who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates upon this law day and night, he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. But the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. They're two roots. If we were to think about the year 2020, we might think that we could tagline it with the words, the year of instability. The psalmist is saying here that, that the man or the woman who delights in God's word is a stable person. It's something that after this year we, we've all yearned for. We, we've felt unstable about our jobs, unstable about perhaps our marriages, unstable about our families, unstable about school, unstable about the economy, unstable about, uh, about politics. Just It has been an unstable year to the T. And what is it that makes a tree stable? It, it's its root system. It's what's actually happening underneath the surface. It's the fact that the roots go down deep and in some way, shape, or form, they get water. And so they, they, they grow strong and then they bear fruit. It's interesting that the most repeated phrase in the Psalter is the word steadfast. Steadfast love, to be more accurate. It's, it's the Hebrew word chesed, the, the covenant faithfulness, the, the fierce loyalty of the Lord. It's, it's part of who his character is. He, he is a steady God. He never shifts on us. Going into March of last year, we had our plans and it just shifted. God never shifts on us. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Not only so, he, he never shifts in his relationship with us. He's made a covenant. I will be your God and you will be my people. And he'll be faithful to that covenant to the end. He is steady. And at one point, the psalmist actually says... Lord, David saying this, Lord, make me steadfast as you are steadfast. Because David understood 
Lord, that's who you are. I love that about you, and I want to be more like you, but I really struggle to be stable, to be steady the way that you are. I want to bear fruit. And in order to do that, I need a root system that goes down deep into something that will hold. And and the way Jesus says it in John 15 is, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We, We are people who abide in Jesus, who is the living word. We are people who delight in the Lord and in the law of the Lord in such a way that our roots go down deep and fruit comes forth. That's what the psalmist is saying. And what he's not saying is that that means, therefore, you never go through hard seasons where it looks like you're not bearing fruit. You never go through trials and tribulations. If there's one thing that 2020 has united us in, it's that we're all going through trials at the same time. And that's unique for the church, but we're all going through trials at the same time. And so hopefully we'll be gracious to one another in that. But the point is that though the tree right now, if we walked out, would look dead, it's not bearing any fruit. What's happening under the surface is not that it's dead, it's just dormant. And when a tree is dormant or a bush is dormant, it's actually strengthening through the hardship. The hardship is actually making that tree strong in the root system so that when the spring comes, and we know what happens in the spring, strong storms and strong winds come flying through, that tree doesn't budge. In fact, it bears fruit. And that's, what hap- that's what's happening here with the, the, the one who's followed the road of delight in the Lord. He or she has grown in having a strong root system and therefore is bearing fruit of character. The blessed man, the whole man, the satisfied man is the steady and fruitful in character man or woman. That, that person is the emphasis here. Four clauses here speak to the blessed man, but only one speaks to the wicked. And, and the picture here is that the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. The picture is that the one who was standing in verse 1 is blown away here in verse 5 or 4. The one who had belonging in verse 1 is no longer in verse 4. And I'm, I'm not a country boy. I don't, I've never winnowed wheat. But I think the idea is that you throw wheat up and the good stuff comes down, you can use it. The bad stuff, the chaff, it's so light, it's so weak that it just blows away. The psalmist is drawing our attention here to that idea that the wicked, though they seem so steady and stable and sometimes we feel just the opposite in our own lives, the wicked are actually weightless and rootless and worthless. And so there are two roads, there are two roots, and finally there are two Results. Look with me here in verses 5 and 6. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The psalmist here, I, I think, is doing what uh, Jesus often does, and he's, he's, he's zooming out a bit, and he's motivating the reader with an eternal perspective. You know, Jesus would often motivate with judgment. This is what's happening at the last day. And I think the psalmist is doing something similar here. He, he is pulling us out and giving us a view of, of what happens in the end. That the world doesn't always look, look like what Psalm says it, it looks like. 
That, that's actually why Asaph wrote Psalm 73. He says, when I, when I looked at the world, the wicked seemed to be thriving. They, they seemed to have a sense of belonging. They, they seemed to be prospered. They seemed to be flourishing. And it's the righteous who are shunned and, and who seem to be blown away like chaff. But then what does he do? He says, but, but then I went into the sanctuary of God and I saw their end. But, but then I, I had an internal perspective and I understood that, yes, that, that this may not happen exactly the way that we think it happens. But in the end, in the fruit of our character and in the blessing of eternal life, Psalm 1 is absolutely the foundation on which we build our lives. Those who in verse 1 stood no longer stand in verse 5. And those who had no belonging in verses 1 and 2, now actually are known by God in verse 6. That we often feel that way, but this is what's true. When, uh, when Sarah and I moved back to Nashville, we had lived here, Sarah had gone to college here, we had met at First Pres, and we moved back in 2010 to work uh, at Vanderbilt University. And I, I remember when we would talk about this, our, our biggest concern, our biggest fear, was that we would not be known. Uh, we felt known here in this community. We'd lived a lot of our life here. We, we were at a church where we felt loved and known. We were in a smaller town, and now we were moving to a big town where we didn't, we didn't feel known, and we were worried about that. And I wonder, actually, if that's something you've felt this year, that in this year, the world sort of went along. It was moving somewhere, but you felt isolated and all alone. There's one thing COVID has taught us is that we're not made for isolation. And yet in some way, shape, or form, we've been forced to live in it. And we felt lonely. We felt abandoned, perhaps. We felt unknown. But maybe worse, you've, you've actually lost a loved one this year. Maybe to COVID, maybe to another, another sickness. Or maybe you've walked through sickness this year. Or maybe you've walked through a miscarriage. Or maybe you've walked through anxiety and depression this last year. And, and not only was the loneliness hard, but the grief was hard. And then grieving in the loneliness was the worst part of all. And the idea that nobody knows, nobody's there, uh, and maybe nobody cares. And that might really be how you feel this year and it might actually be a real place for you but but the truth that I think the psalmist wants to tell us as we move into 2021 is that though you may feel alone and abandoned the Lord this is Yahweh this is his covenant name the covenant making the covenant keeping God the steadfastly loyal one the the fiercely loyal one to us knows the way of the righteous and the wicked are forgotten. That's the truth. And this, this knowing in Scripture is not just data gathering. It's not as if he knows our street address and that's all he knows. Or he knows every hair on our head. He, he does know those things. But knowing in Scripture is, is relational. It's intimacy. He knows us and loves us. That's what's true. So that you and I are actually never alone. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. 
But, but there's a twist here, I think, in, in Psalm 1, or at least as we read it. And it's that maybe as you're reading it, you're thinking to yourself, okay, but all those good things are for the righteous. All those promises are for the righteous. And, and I, I, don't feel, I don't relate to the righteous. I don't feel righteous. Actually, I might relate more to the wicked, but I certainly don't relate to the righteous. And what's interesting here, Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 both are foundational for the whole Psalter. And Psalm 2 seems to point to the wicked out there. Uh, that the nations have gathered and they're raging against the Lord and His anointed. But Psalm 1, and, and Ralph Davis brings this out, Psalm 1 seems to point more to the wicked in here, in Israel. The ones who are a part of the visible congregation. The ones who can dress up on Sunday and look really nice and come to church or go to a Bible study or maybe even can quote scripture or maybe even read their Bible at home, but they know what Saturday night actually looked like. Or they know what Friday morning with their wife looked like. Or they know what Tuesday night with their kids looked like. Or Wednesday during the day with their employer and their employees looked like. And it doesn't quite line up with the righteous person described here. And so the question is, where, where do we go with that? Where do, where do we find hope here? And I, I, think, I think the hope, as we maybe don't identify as much as we'd like with the righteous here, is that the good news is that there was one who always did the will of the Father, whose food was to do the will of the Father, who was faithful to his father to the very end, whose roots went down deep and only bore fruit of righteousness and holiness, who never withered in his purpose of going to the cross for us, but went all the way that we might be in him. And for those who look to him in faith, our sin is his and his righteousness is ours. And therefore, when the father looks at us, we are the righteous. Though he's the only one that can actually pray this psalm perfectly as the righteous one, we, because we're rooted in him, have his righteousness. And that's our hope, that he is the happy, righteous man. And because of him, we can know God and be known by God. This is our comfort. As we, as we move into 2021, and maybe you've made some resolutions, or maybe your resolutions have already fallen by the wayside. I started a diet. It's already gone. Uh, maybe that's where you are. Um, we can be people who afresh pick up the word and say, I, I want to resolve to read this scripture. But even more, I, I want to resolve to delight in it by resting in the Lord Jesus, the righteous one. Or maybe the resolve is just, Lord, would you just help me to pray regularly Help me to delight in you. Psalm 61 says that he, that he gives us a garment of praise for our faint spirit. And sometimes we have this faint spirit and we have to say, Lord, I, I need you. I, I want to ask you to give me a garment of praise and delight in you. That we would be people who would resolve at the very least to spend time with the righteous one in his word. And that as we spend time with the fiercely loyal Yahweh, we would grow in our delight in him as we meditate upon him and as we follow him. And as we do that, the, the, the character growth won't come in a day 
But over time, it will come. And it'll be so much better than that 20 pounds that we hoped that we lost and we never quite did. So delighting in, meditating upon, and following the Word of God, the living Word who is the Lord Jesus. That's a resolution worth making this year. That's, that's music worth listening to. And so it may be true for us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, we are people who, who have so many delights. We often make excuses for those, Lord, and, and, and say we have lack of time or we're busy or we're stressed. But the reality is we, we, we sit with who we delight in. We, we follow who we delight in. And Lord, I pray that this year, oh, what a great opportunity for us to look different than the world. As the world is fighting and, and disunified and angry and frustrated, and what a great opportunity for us to be stable and steadfast as we are rooted and established in the Lord Jesus as we sit with Him in His Word. Father, would it be so of us and, and would the overflow of that even be that we might be a church united in Christ? Not just theologically, but in practice. That the world might see that there's something different and that you might be glorified. And all for Christ's name's sake we pray. Amen.